Hey, Shannon, do your students know why the long vowels are long? They do now because I taught that lesson today. Perfect. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. And you're Mary. (laughs) Who am I? Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi, and I'm a reading tutor. I've taught all elementary grades. I have Orton-Gillingham training, and I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for over 10 years. I love talking all things teaching. I believe that humor and personal connections go a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. So, Shannon, I really want to talk long vowels, but is there anything else going on in your world? Yes, actually. A new thing just happened at school last week. Um, The admin team asked me to mentor a fifth grade male student. Mm. And I'm a second grade teacher, and they came to me and said, Miss Betts, would you have time to take this on? But we realized that this child... um, doesn't know how to read. He doesn't even know the pre-primer sight words. And he started to act out um, behavior-wise. And so, and they think that it's because of reading. And so rather than just starting to start a discipline plan for him, they wanted him to have some literacy intervention. And they said, could you come to your class? I love hearing when schools are utilizing their resources. They know that you're an expert in this field and that you've done this before. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. And so I said, oh, I bet he's acting out because he's trying to hide the secret that he doesn't know how to read, which is what we've talked about. And they said, oh, you get it. You get it. And I said, yes. So since then, well, right up when it happened, you know, I texted you and said, oh, I have a new project I because so excited this, the puzzle part of my mind really gets excited about this because um I really like figuring out what the gaps are and you know trying to figure out how to fix it and so um I'm eager to get to know the student but I am a little nervous too because um of the behaviors he's been exhibiting and then just how long this problem has happened like is he going to trust me is he going to be ready to learn and so I was thinking about what strategies I could do and then all of a sudden I remembered bead bracelets yes so three bracelets fantastic yeah so back in the day three years ago we talked about this i had a large group of fifth graders who were just like this student did not know water sounds did not know short vowels did not know any sight words and i needed them to be engaged in their learning really engaged in their learning because we had so much to learn and i had a limited time with them until they graduated elementary school and so i wanted to get their reading as high as I could um, in a short amount of time. And so uh, one of my friends does prayer beads. And so I had her help me design a bead bracelet where each bead stood for one concept we were learning. And I made the bead bracelet and I wore it every day as a symbol of our scope and sequence, like one bead, okay, we're going to learn this first, and then we're going to learn this next, and then we're going to learn these sight words, then we're going to learn these sounds. And the students... um, 
learned as we went and I would assess them. And when they got 80% mastery on the assessment, they got to put the bead on their own bracelet. And I made them kind of cool with like natural beads um, and hemp cords so that, you know, the boys and the girls would like the design. What a great idea. Oh, just having something tactile to remind them that they are actually making progress and that each of these beads represents something that they have learned is so I love that you just tapped into that I think that that is something that so many teachers have kind of gone away from and video games tap into that like kids need that constant reinforcement and that constant feedback Um, and you know you can have arguments about whether or not that's right or wrong but regardless it's effective and well and they needed to know that like we there are a lot of things that we had to learn and so it wasn't I needed them to see the long list of things that we needed to know, learn in a short amount of time, but in a fun way. And so I actually ran into some of my former students um, at the start of the school year. And they're in middle school now. And when they saw, I have not seen them since they graduated fifth grade. And so now they're in seventh, eighth grade or whatever. And um, I saw them. And the first thing all three of these boys says was, hey, Miss Betts, you still doing those bead bracelets? (laughs) That was what they took away from that time with me. And so I think it's the ideal starting place with this fifth grader, as well as the lowest readers in my room. I wasn't even doing this with my lowest group. And um, we're just all going to do it together. It's amazing how it always comes back around. Good. I'm so glad that you're doing interesting and wonderful things right now, so aside from all the like excitement <laughs> of second grade classroom. So I'll keep you posted and all the listeners posted as the beads and the learning to read happens because I'm starting with the reader from scratch. Now. I love it. I'm so excited for you um, and all of the new things that are in store for you this year. Thank you. So let's segue into long vowels talk. So, Shannon, do your students know why the long vowels are long? Yes, we went over it today. So, (laughs) just to recap, if you didn't hear our short vowels episode, long vowels are when the vowels say their names, not their short sounds. So, the A says A when it's long. The E says E. And there's a reason they do that. And I always start my phonics instruction with explaining to the students the difference between a vowel and a consonant, because consonants close your mouth and vowels open your mouth and so when there is no consonant in the back of a word or a syllable to close in that vowel that vowel is free and open so in the word me or no or hi you can just keep saying that vowel sound at the end and so I tell the students I kind of mime running free in a field and I say oh I'm a vowel and I'm free and open and I get to say my name but then when a consonant's in the back so I take me and I put a t and then it becomes met well that t just closed in that consonant and the way that I teach it is that they we put the word inside a house and the door can be open and that vowel can be open and free and saying its name until you close the door and that consonant sitting right next to the vowel at the end of the word and it becomes its shut off sound, the closed sound. So if it's met, then it's the t is closing off the meet, <laughs> which is how we it's lost we, its little voice. We say it just as slamming that door right in its face. I love that. And so then sometimes you though you have so long vowels happen when vowels are open. However, sometimes you need to have a consonant in the back 
And you need to have a long vowel sound. So what do you do in that case? Then you have to put your magic E. Your magic E, your final E. The students really like the magic E because the magic E concept, the E has the power to make the vowel say its name. Right. And we go through and we say that if there are any magical unicorns in the whole universe of the alphabet, it is that letter E. And it has all of that magical power. Um, in my classroom, we always got out wands. And we actually we used, sometimes it was a pencil wand, and sometimes it was a real wand. And over the years, I've kind of developed my own kind of I have a little reading it. pointer that's got a star at the end, and I stuck a little sticky dot with an E on it. Yep. I've used um, tongue depressors that have an E at the end before um popsicle sticks popsicle sticks it's been a number of different things throughout the years but i think the key is like really gaining the excitement and the attention of the students when you're first teaching magic e and the power that it has to make the the vowel that is short change into a vowel that has a long sound and we Um, have to call attention to it so that the students remember to put it there when they're spelling because they they can't hear the e it's not there and so they've got to really feel like the e has a presence so that they can remember to spell it with the e and the reason this is important is because when you add in long vowels, you have to make it a big deal and a big new unit because the students are reaching a pretty big developmental stage. It doesn't have a name. We're toying around with the name of it, calling mm-hmm. it vowel awareness or something. <laughs> but one letter standing for two sounds, all of a sudden you have five vowels and you have 10 sounds. And that is pretty sophisticated work in, in the brain. And struggling readers can't always do that automatically and sometimes we teach the long vowels very very quickly without a lot of fanfare and the students don't learn the where and the why about it especially if they're still caught up learning sound by sound sound by sound Um, and and especially telling the difference between the short sounds still if you are still in the medium stage of that particular developmental reading stage then you really um, are going to get excited about long vowels, but you're going to kind of miss the boat on short vowels. And as we had said in our previous episode, 50 to 60% of the words that we use in the English language have that short vowel CVC or closed syllable pattern. So that is really important, but it's also really important to make sure that we're honing in on the teaching the long vowel development in a, in a meaningful and important way too, because it can often get confused and you can, you can definitely see when that happens with your students because you'll see that that means they're going to start to add the E's to all of the words. Yes, <laughs> so sometimes the students are so excited about the magic sticks that they kind of throw the short vowel sounds in the garbage and refuse to use them anymore. And so I do a lot of work when I'm teaching this about how there's both sets of sounds for the vowels and you actually have to change it in your brain. Um, I've also made a set of brain boxes where we have Mm. to, when we see the magic E, we pull out that box and that has the long vowel cards with the pictures in it. Or if we don't see the magic E, then we go to the short vowel box um, just to try to make what the brain does the process more tactile for the students because there is a decision that they have to make as a reader. I'm going to choose the long vowel sound instead of the short vowel sound. Right. And if you are giving um, 
just the letters to the student only in word form and not supporting it with picture um, support. That picture support is so essential in helping them to start to make meaning for those words. And if you don't actually have that, um, there's a number of developmental stages. But what we want them to do is really listen to the sounds of the words and not just look at a word and memorize it automatically. Yes. So the very first resource we're going to list um, in the show notes is our both of ours <laughs> favorite activity from FCRR, the Florida site independently this is our favorites we didn't realize it until we were talking before the show that we both love this game so much but we've probably both used it for 10 years or so now hundreds of students Mm -hmm. for me but it's in the game itself students sort just with pictures does this have the short sound or does this have the long sound and they start to develop that awareness where okay it's one letter but it's two sounds and that game is essential before I always do that before I even introduce the magic e-sticks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as fun and as exciting as those magic e-sticks are, you want to make sure that you are really careful about specifically teaching to the sounds um, and making sure that you're using a lot of picture sorts. So for your kids that you know need to do a picture sort, one, two, three. 10 times that's okay even repeating picture sorts are not a bad thing as long as they're doing it um correctly and in a meaningful way where they're fully engaged um i yes i don't do that game independently i will say that i always do it with me to make sure that they are sorting correctly and that i can make corrections on the go and i won't put it in a center until 80 percent or more mastery by everyone I I think that that part is really essential. You cannot just um, assume that your students are going to be able to do it. You need to still be able to check in and uh, listen to them read their sounds. And reading can even be reading a picture card that has Mm -hmm. just the picture on it, listening to the sound, and then making the most effective choice. And that game is important because it pulls up one of our key skills that we say a lot of struggling readers are missing, which is the segmenting skill. Can they take apart those sounds? Absolutely. So as they're looking at two pictures, map and gate, they're mm-hmm. going to need to be able to segment that middle sound, ma-ap or g-eight. And then they might need to compare in that game, they compare gate to, I think it's whale, is mm-hmm. the header card and you say okay does gate have the same middle sound as cat or does it have the same vowel sound as whale and the students have to do a lot of segmenting so that brings in that phonological awareness yep absolutely um, there's another game that's similar to that but it can be done more on an individualized basis and those are clip cards do you ever use clip cards in your sometimes classroom? do you make them self-checking um you know i don't because when i'm working and tutoring one-on-one it's easy for me to go back with the student and check um so while you know i know for classroom use it's nice to have a self-checking one it's also easy for students to just turn it over right and make the correct clip without actually being engaged um but i do like the clip card decks because it's the same skill where they're looking at a picture and then they would decide does this word make the long sound does it make a short sound um and i use clip card decks for a number of different phonological skills that we're working on um i also love to just do uh big comparisons with um counting out the sounds and words so if it's um you know your word gate uh we can say oh gate has g eight 
gate has three sounds, how many letters does it have? And then we want to make sure that we're starting to practice that sometimes there are multiple letters um, and not as many sounds in a word. And that builds upon some later skills that we Right. That'll like sort of prepare them for when vowel teams come around. Um, I do a class set of magic E sticks, um, Mm -hmm. and I have little bitty colored dots where I write the E, or sometimes I'll just write the E in Sharpie on the popsicle stick. And we take apart like a whole sheet with words and columns, and we'll make a little sound fan that's kind of fun in our interactive notebook. And it's got about 30 words on it where they'll Mm -hmm. switch. It's all words that work for CBC and cvce right because not everything will switch and be some of them are nonsense words but all of these words can be both so it's like rob or robe yep can to cane and um i think it's the daily cafe they have like a little hand signal where it's called um sound switch or something and you flip your hand um over and under and yes. we'll make that little signal and we'll say okay the magic e-stick's coming we got to switch the sound and see how quickly the students can do it because mm-hmm. you can almost watch their brains that's why i made the brain boxes because you can almost watch their brains kind of switch and go okay short vowel okay long vowel okay short vowel okay long vowel yep and especially with the a for some reason they just want to lose that a sound it's yeah it's really interesting how it kind of comes into play that way i um i'm thinking about your um your magic e sticks and the fan game that you have i have a similar one where we have um uh it's it's almost like a a half sentence strip style Mm -hmm. and so i'll write the word on the card and then i'll flip over the e um so if you have the word robe r-o-b then the e is there on both sides of a card to flip over so you can take the e off and you can add the e when you flip it back over um i think that that's those are really good practice things too sometimes a slider works really well too um i i love we're gonna send a link of a lot of the different um uh resources that we use when we teach this because sometimes it's just great to review and take a quick look and a peek and see what other people are doing um the other part that i really wanted to talk about was the writing practice yes because you really want to after you feel like your students have sounded it out manipulated with a lot of different things they've searched throughout the school they've found lots of words that have magic e in books throughout the school throughout the classroom then you really want them to start writing it on their own and i i think that sometimes um that's the last step in it if gets overlooked especially our students who are a little bit slow to pick up their pencil having some difficulties with writing but don't forget that you really want them to start practicing writing those words too the lli kits from fountas and Penal, they actually use dictation sentences just Eight. for ease of the struggling students but yep. they will dictate student uh, sentences where it's a mixture of sight words short vowels and long vowels and so that's good for practice but then also i watch their independent writing that we do in writers workshop when they're just scribbling out their ideas or they're trying to write their first or second drafts and i see are they going to start using that silent e mm-hmm. there yep. if you see it in their spelling when they're not even thinking about their spelling that's when you know they've really got it that's exactly right yep that's that's exactly um you know kind of the overall uh, assessment that you want to take informal assessment of course but um 
I, for me, when I'm teaching, our methodology is really staying within the same word pattern. So Mm -hmm. if I'm teaching a student, we're going to be working on all A magic E patterns, all of the words that we're working on. And I probably won't specifically teach a, a, I'll teach the pattern, but I won't teach the exact word. Some of our words could be nonsense words. Some of our words that I'm asking them to spell could be real words, but they're all going to follow in that same pattern. Sometimes if I deviate from that pattern too early, then the students get really confused. Um, And I really want to go back and make sure that um, when I am ready to review and they've mastered 90% at least, then I can mix in those words. But you don't want to do it too soon. Um, And that's not always true for typical you know, readers, typical learners. Um, But if you suspect that there's a child who has a diagnosis of dyslexia or suspected dyslexia, um, you really want to make sure that you are being as explicit as possible in your teaching instruction. So um, I'm having a flashback as we're talking about long vowels. I'm remembering the year I taught first grade, and that was when I realized how important all the vowel sounds are and I also started to see why a lot of students get to the upper grades not knowing how to read because the scope and sequence of phonics in first grade is really fast very fast I didn't realize it until I was that homeroom teacher that year so you know we want the students I tell the kindergarten teachers they really need to be knowing their CVC words they need to know their short vowels leaving kindergarten because We have September and August, August and September to review the short vowels. And then we teach the long vowels really quickly in the fall. And then as soon as long vowels are done, we go right into our control. And then it's just like zoom, zoom, zoom all through all 44 phonemes. And if the students don't have that awareness that one letter is two sounds and they miss the long vowels, they can't add on any of the belt middle stage where okay well now a vowel is, has three sounds and now a vowel has four or like the letter o having seven it, they miss it right and i think that that's when a lot of students fall behind that really is because it just it goes really really quickly and if they don't have that full awareness of that developmental step they're going to have trouble later that's right i mean you know people say the teachers have the hardest job and they really do because you have to be um a a super sleuth and you have to know what your students know especially when you are teaching these early grades um, but keep plugging along make sure that you have lots of fun when you're teaching these skills because yes. it is really fun and it is really exciting because once they reach this developmental milestone of really understanding that magic e they can start to read those oh my gosh readers. i was about to say it because it opens up a world of decodable books at that point exactly. once they get the long vowel they can read so many more books okay because they're out of the abcs at that you yeah, know, right, um, exactly. found to some Pinnell level, and they can get in the D and E books and really start to develop a little bit of um, decoding skills and where they can try to sound it out themselves. And it just opens up. I, um, I can link also, I don't even know if this website's still there because I haven't used it in a while. I just use my pronouns, but free reading slash net. I think is what it was called. They had like decodable magic E stories mm-hmm. and they were kind of silly about like, yep. you know, Sam the snake or whatever, but yep. it, had you know the sound patterns that the students needed to practice well i always go back to it and you know when you're teaching reading um and you're at this this particular stage where it is really essential um even for my older reader or older students i might say you know 
easy reading makes reading easier. So even if you're using a book that, you know, quote unquote, seems easy, um, these developmental readers, as boring as they are, um, really kind of start to build upon the fluency. They're really important about phrasing. It's really important to make sure that they are actually identifying and reading these words and gaining confidence as they move forward. So please don't skip over the decodable readers. Yes. <laughs> that's that's my, my beg for you tonight. Um, so I think we pretty much covered it. I think I mean, so too. That's the reason why the long vowels are long. It's because they are open or they have a final E at the end. Mm-hmm. And we believe that students can and should be taught the when and why of why you have long vowels. Um, one horrible scripted program that I won't name names that I had to do at one point, but we used to have to say funny words, sounding out the funny way. And we never really taught the students why certain words did things we just kind of let them ignore it mm-hmm. and i i truly believe that students at all levels can approach phonics and letters and go oh, okay i need to do the closed door thing i need to do the open door thing my class today we were doing closed and open hand signals i was showing a bunch of different words and they opened their palm for open or they closed their fist for closed or they did a little magic e kind of signal with their hand and just trying to get them to train to look for that vowel look for that vowel what does that vowel look like what are the letters around it and that helps them you know eventually switch those sounds faster i totally agree i love those hand signals too i often use those in my class as well um well this could be a topic for you know five more episodes because we could probably talk about all the wonderful lessons that we've taught about this um i really enjoyed chatting about this with you today me too y'all have fun teaching long vowels let us know how it goes Thank you for listening to the Reading Teachers Lounge podcast. We would like to thank Jordan Kempker for providing original music and Allison Zane of Fruit Creative for the artwork. If you could please write us a review on iTunes, that will help more teachers find us. Also, if you find out inf- find our information valuable, please tell a fellow teacher or parent to come check us out at our webpage, www.readingteacherslounge.com. <laughs>